0: Good afternoon. My name is uh, Abdullah Varacha. I'm a member of faculty here at Gibbs. And on behalf of JP Morgan and the Entrepreneurship Development Academy here at Gibbs, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to this LinkedIn live session. Uh, For those of you who've joined us in the last two sessions, you'll know that this is uh, the third part of a 10-part series that we've put together, uh, titled uh, a boot camp for small business owners, uh, I think, in a very complex, but perhaps very interesting time. Uh, In today's session, we're going to be talking about resilience and decision-making and resilience in decision-making. And so it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to uh, a colleague of mine, a fellow faculty member here at Gibbs, Dr. Charlene Liu, Charlene has spent a considerable amount of her career here and in the academic world here at Gibbs uh, as uh, a member of faculty. Uh, Charlene writes and publishes extensively in the space of decision making and also teaches in this area and supervises a number of our MBA and master students in the area of strategy and decision making. And so I think today's session is so important in terms of how business owners and small businesses take decisions in a very complex and perhaps period where we've got massive amounts of uncertainty. The format of the session is, uh, I've invited Charlene to spend a bit of time setting the context, providing some of her thoughts, her inputs and her perspectives, after which I'm going to bring you into the conversation. And so I'm going to invite you to use the LinkedIn panel at the bottom of this video to connect with me, to engage, to interact, to ask any questions. And I'll take those questions and direct them to, to Charlene. As we know, we have the session for 30 minutes, so we'll run from 1.30 to 2, and we'll do this every week, every Wednesday, from 1.30 to 2 over the next seven weeks. So without much further ado, let me hand over to Charlene. Charlene, thank you for spending some time with us.
1: Abdullah, thank you so much. It's a really important topic for me to talk about today, thinking about being resilient in our decisions. And I'm wondering if we could ask the audience, what are some of the things that requires you to be resilient at this moment? What's happening in your businesses that are challenging you? Because I can imagine many people are facing uh, headwinds. Many people are facing situations where business may not look as positive as it did a couple of months ago. And I would just like to spend some time with you to talk about your resilience and then to give you a practical skill that you can use to help you through this time as well. So, we all know what resilience means, but if I can just remind you, resilience really is when you face circumstances that are really tough. You face difficulties. And in the slide on the definition of decision-making, you can see that being resilient means you actually develop skills and competencies that does not only make you survive and cope, but actually helps you to become better and stronger because of the circumstances that you're facing. And I'm sure we, we can see quite a number of things that the small business owners are facing. And I would like to then challenge you to develop this type of mindset and thinking that can help you to navigate through this difficult time, but also to become better because of it. So. When I bring up the slide of uh, Nelson Mandela and this very, very famous quote of his from long walk to freedom, I see so much in this that deals with your ability to be uh, resilient. He says, I've walked that long road to freedom, but I've discovered that after climbing a great hill, one only finds that there are many more hills to climb. That's such a beautiful mindset that shows us that life is a series of obstacles. It shouldn't be, oh, I face an obstacle, so I can't survive. In fact, if one develops this mindset that life is one obstacle after the other, and you see it in a positive way, you've won half the battle. He goes on to say, I've taken a moment here to rest, to steal a view of the glorious vista that surrounds me, to look back on the distance I've come. Isn't that amazing to say that to be resilient, we have to pause sometimes. We have to take a moment just to appreciate the moment we're in, to find the good in it, to rest of it, as well as to take stock of the victories that we've already achieved. Because when things are difficult, sometimes we want to ignore those, those victories that we've achieved. And the challenge is to think back on that. And then he goes on to say, but I rest only for a moment for with freedom comes responsibilities and I dare not linger for my work is not yet ended. And that's very important in your thinking about yourself being a resilient person, is to really know the purpose for which you're working. Because that's the third part of this competency that you can develop, is once you've got your eyes on the the target, you can remain resilient as well. So in my next slide, I really show you that there are three parts of you being resilient. Part of it is your abilities and skills. It's your abilities to cope. It's your abilities to find creative solution. A second part of it is your attitudes and just how you think about the world and yourself. And you will know that you're resilient if you're thinking kind thoughts towards yourself, towards the world, towards the future, and towards everything that's possible in your life. And the final part of resilience for you is What you've achieved and how you keep on achieving despite the hardship so you find ways to adapt you find ways to grow so i want to move on to what you can practically do because it's one thing to say okay i need to be resilient but how can you develop your thinking to find opportunities how can you find creative opportunities and in my next slide, I really talk about these three ways in which you can think creatively. Very much like a musician thinks about music. Firstly, you can think creatively by bringing together different components of life and pulling it together in a unique and unusual way. That's connective creativity. Or you could practice component creativity by looking at the various elements of the situation you face and dealing with each part separately. Or you could practice your own blank page creativity, which simply means that you know that with an open page in front of you, with the situation you're facing at the moment, anything is possible. My next slide is, I think, very important for us to think about how you think about the world and how you think about solving problems. And most of us in life have been rewarded to reproduce ideas that we've come up with in the past or reproduce ideas that we've found to work for other people or that other people want to hear from us through the schooling system. And looking at an article entitled thinking like a genius that studied creative geniuses over a long period of time they found the creative geniuses which you can be as well practice productive thinking they look at new ways to think for instance if we look at the puzzle what's half of 13 most of us would instinctively say it's six and a half and we'll feel proud of our answer But a creative, productive thinker think that there are many different ways of looking at that problem to solve it. Half of 13, just as an example, is if you take the number and you split it in half, it's a one and a three. So my challenge to you as you face difficulties in your business is to think about how many different ways you can think at that problem you're facing. Or to say to yourself, how can I rethink it And how many different ways can I solve this problem in? Because that is the key to your resilience. To think in a way that says, I'm not gonna just settle with one solution. There are many solutions that I can find. So in my next slide, I gave you eight examples of how creative geniuses think. And I wanna challenge you to practice these activities yourself. The first one I've spoken about is to look at a problem in a different way. To abandon your first approach and say, there's something else I can do here. There's a new way I can solve this problem. A second way I can challenge you to think about your problem is to make it visible or to make solutions visible. We've found that we become a lot more creative when we find any creative way outside of our thinking. Maybe on a piece of paper or in a different way to visualise or express your, your problem or your solution in, in a spatial sense. Another thing that we need to recognize is that creative geniuses don't settle for one great idea in their lives. Typically, we find that they've created a lot of patents in their lives. So challenge yourself that there's a high quantity of wonderful ideas within you. And the one that you've had in the past may not be the only one available to you you can combine things in new ways you can combine things in dissimilar ways you can even say what if the opposite was true and maybe find a solution in that or you could tell yourself a story of the problem we often find Abdullah when we talk in in uh, metaphors when we talk in stories to ourselves that suddenly our brains bring about new ideas and new solutions And then the last thing that I want to draw from that article about how creative geniuses think is they prepare. So maybe there's not much you can do at the moment, but you can prepare so that when creative opportunity arrives, you've got a new skill in your arsenal. You've got a new competency that you've developed. And you may not be able to use it right now, but when the opportunity arises and you've prepared your creativity will meet that opportunity and that will create solutions. I I just wanna talk lastly about making this very, very practical for yourself. And I want to present you a very simple thinking process that you can use in your decision-making that I've put together specifically for us for this. And it's it's four simple steps. And I wanna really challenge you after this session to take these four steps and take yourself through it and see what becomes possible for you. And the very first thing, first step you can see there on your slide is that you can decompose the problem. We need to become really, really aware of what's really the issue at stake. Take 30 minutes of your time, really think about what are the different elements of your problem you're facing at the moment, Think which parts are bigger and which parts are smaller and mark those that you believe you've got control over. If you take time with this step, you will gain a greater understanding of what the real unmet problem is that you want to solve. And then secondly, I want you to put yourself in a mindset without looking at your problem, a mindset that can lead to creativity. Maybe fill yourself in your space with beautiful music that you enjoy, and then think about the positive. Think about sensations you love, work you love to do, what your company has already brought to the world, the value you've already created. Just put yourself in a space of possibility without working directly at your problem. Some research shows that uh, when we expose students to just 10 minutes of pictures that shows achievement, they become a lot more creative than their peers. So just spending time thinking about what's really great in your world will already start putting your mind in the space that can create possibilities. Then immediately after that, I recommend you move on to step three, where you write down practically what you can do now. You can't solve your problem, but you can do something now. You can do something. And if you write down exactly what you can do while you're in that space of mind, you will see new opportunities and new ideas come to the fore. And then lastly, I want to ask you, uh, and the fourth step is to make a decision. So intuitively, without doing any further work, what should you do next? It may not solve the entire problem. What? What's your next logical step? And then with that, what further information do you have? And maybe still think about what are the obstacles that you want to overcome? There's a lovely book, and I can't remember the title of it now, but that says the obstacle is the path. It's by solving each sub- subsequent obstacle that we find the path we may need to follow. And I hope this is just a useful, very practical way for you to go and spend some time to say, I am a resilient entrepreneur. I've achieved great things. Let me think creatively. Let me allow myself to have a lot more ideas. And then with that, let me take myself through this process and see what is really possible. Are there any questions, Delphine? Lovely. From yeah, people? I think
0: uh, Charlene, thank you very much. I think it's a very practical approach uh, when looking at how you take some decisions. Uh, so we've got people on this call from, or on this LinkedIn session from Qatar, from Zambia, from Central Africa, from Zimbabwe, from Mozambique, from many parts of South Africa. So people from all parts of the world. And I think what is interesting about where we are currently is that the current environment we all face the same type of challenges. Mm-hmm. And so the question that's come through from Lerato and obviously a similar question from Nan is, in the current context, small business owners have this challenge around spiraling operational costs. So outflows in terms of salaries and payments and wage bills, etc., but a massive reduction in terms of inflows. Mm -hmm. And so obviously there's a challenge in terms of the pressure that comes about as a result of having liquidity challenges and challenges in terms of meeting those operational costs. And the question is, in that type of an environment, how do you step back, you know, using the framework that you've given and really start to make some decisions given all of the challenges that she's spoken about?
1: Thank you so much, Abdullah. Lerata Man, that's a very, very pertinent question because firstly, we need to recognize that the problems are real. And one of my colleagues in this series will deal with dealing on the financial component of it. But... The fact is one has to realize that the the problems we're facing are real. Resilience is not about putting one's head in the sand and saying it's not true. But it is to allow yourself to say, I've got challenges, but I recognize that every challenge has not only one solution, but multiple solutions. And I will develop the type of thinking that allows me to find those solutions. And each circumstance will be different, but it's around taking yourself through a thinking process and allowing yourself the type of thinking that says, despite the fact that the entire world is facing what seems like impossible odds, we can still make it. We can still come out better and stronger because of this.
0: Lovely. I think there's a question from, from Gugu that, uh, that builds on that. Uh, and the question is more personal, I think. It's, the question from her is that when one is stuck individually in a very toxic space, and so those, those emotions, those thoughts, uh, you know, flood your, your ability to take decisions, to step back, to jot down your ideas, how do you get out of that toxic environment mentally, to be able to at least go through a space where you can look at those multiple options, where you can provide a space for creative thinking, as you've said, and really think about it more systemically. Obviously, when you're in a a very difficult personal environment.
1: Gugu, that's a very important question, and thank you for sharing so openly. I think the most important thing to do is to find ways to isolate oneself from negativity. Again, it's not a situation of, of thinking or not recognizing real problems. But you have to create times in every single day, maybe through mindful practice if you can't physically move around. But sometimes just physically changing your environment in a safe way, finding yourself in a, in a different context, seeing different visuals, or just exposing your senses to different information, like listening to beautiful music, pulling yourself out of a situation—that in itself can create the space for your mind, in a subconscious level, to be ready to make more progressive, creative decisions as
0: well. Lovely. So, one of the things you you speak about, Charlene, is, is mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it's it's a practice that many people have started to use to be able to. To look at it, what are some of your advices in terms of you know, ways in which one can, or at least where can one get more information on mindfulness and, uh, yeah. and that principle?
1: Thanks, Abdullah. So mindfulness is being present non-judgmentally in the moment. It means being and allowing yourself to not judge, to experience the moment. And there's wonderful resources online. If you're on LinkedIn, you can find it in LinkedIn Learning as well that teaches you perhaps breathing exercises or thinking exercises, a linking to maybe meditation or prayer if you prefer, that allows you to be present in the moment to cut yourself off the noise of the world and to really enjoy the thoughts that's in your mind and maybe even more spiritual thoughts that allows you to see things in a different plane. So, so
0: what you've covered is very interesting because in some, some environments, some sectors, there's always a defined way in which people lead organizations. And people often want the answers. Uh, yeah. It's always this logical thought process that for every challenge, there's an answer. And I've come up with that answer. What we find in a VUCA world, of which I think we accelerate at the moment, is there's so much ambiguity lots of complexity, nobody has the answers. And so in that environment, that logical pattern of thinking, of this is the direction we're going to take and we can whitewall it and we can make a decision, is being challenged, right? Uh, And that allows us to be able to say, can we think perhaps more creatively? Can we look at other ways of looking at this environment? How do you embrace that in a team where you've got a group of individuals? How do you get that as a practice, as a discipline perhaps, or way of doing things perhaps? That's
1: a fabulous question, Abdullah, because really the one characteristic of an ambiguous or uncertain world is that we can't make logical decisions because we can't see the outcome of our choices or we don't sometimes even know what's causing the situation that we're in. And for that, as you rightfully say, we can't, think divergently and just rush into real immediate answers. So for teams, Abdullah, I think the important thing is that we need to cultivate openness of thinking. There's so many practices we have that we reward our team members for coming up with quick answers that seems right and confirms our biases already. And in uncertainty and in times like this in teams, what we really need to be able to do is allow people more space, more time, and actually reward creative, divergent thinking. Thinking that's different to the norm, thinking that produces more answers, thinking that produces unusual answers and new ways of doing things. And so that should just become part of the culture of how one goes about uh, dealing with teams and and what one rewards.
0: Lovely. So one of the things (laughs) I, I often say in class, Charlene, is... We often don't get these ideas, these epiphanies, these creative thought processes in a formal boardroom. Some people think, well, create an innovative space and people become creative there. But some of my greatest ideas come when I'm in the shower or when I'm actually doing nothing. Um, And so... Uh, I think that's one of the the, the the challenges is that it's not in a defined space but perhaps it could be in different environments. What are some of your thoughts on that?
1: That's absolutely true. So, research shows that we're often creative after running, after walking, after and very much the shower moment is is the true thing. It is because our creative minds really kick in when we are not under our intuitive or rather in our logical but more in our intuitive space of thinking. So what one needs to do is to disconnect from trying to purposefully solve a problem and just allow yourself freedom to think. And um, very much true is when we we purpose driven and we've got compressed time we aren't as creative as when we just pose ourselves a question we allow ourselves to not answer the question and then we give our subconscious brain or often our right brain which is more intuitive chance to process that information and that's where the new ideas come from
0: lovely last two questions charlene we've got a question from uh, kovoro or from william And William's question is, what if the negatives outweigh the positives?
1: Oh, William, it's true, the negatives do outweigh the positives. But if we delve on the negatives, what will happen is we'll go into a negative spiral and eventually collapse. The fact is, all of us are on that journey, and and, uh, Madiba faced a worse fate than he had. But his mindset said, I will look back, I will enjoy where I'm at, and I will look forward because I've got responsibility." And so, yes, we are facing more negatives often than positives. But that is when we have to discipline our thinking and say, that's fine, but there are great opportunities out there. Uh, I have accomplished a lot and I will accomplish a lot more, not for myself only, but because I've got a responsibility to society to bring change.
0: Brilliant. I think that's a a lovely end, Charlene. Thank you for your inputs, for your valued contributions, and I think for a very practical way in which people, organizations, and teams take decisions. Uh, And I think it's so valuable in this period we're in now. So thank you for your inputs and for your time. And then I want to thank all of you for your participation, for your valued contribution here on on the LinkedIn session. This session will be put onto our YouTube channels uh, in terms of the Gibbs YouTube channels that we've got out there. And as I said to you, this is part of a 10-part series. And so uh, next week, I'll be hosting a a colleague of mine as well, Professor Adrian Saville. Uh, Adrian is the CEO of Canon Asset Managers and also a visiting professor here at Gibbs, where he's a member of the faculty. And so I'll be talking to him about our economy uh, and the strategy environment that we find ourselves in, in the economy that we're in at the moment. So I want to use that uh, really to close the session. I want to... Thank you for all of your time, for your participation, for your contribution. And I also want to thank uh, the team here at Gibbs and JP Morgan for partnering with us here at Gibbs and putting the series together, ready to assist and to add value to the business community in various parts of the world. I look forward to welcoming you next week. If between this week and next you've got any questions, anything that you want to pose to the team that we have here, please feel free to email smmehelp at gibbs.co.za. Thank you very much. I'll see you next week.